Well, greetings to everyone here in the West Auditorium, uh, the East Auditorium, as well as in Lovington. Uh, if you're newer with us, uh, my name is Brian, one of the pastors here, and have the privilege to bring you the message in all those locations, as well as those worshiping online. And um, we're going to be looking at God's Word here today, so I invite you to turn in uh, a Bible, whether physical or digital, and any of those places, to Matthew chapter 25. Uh, where we're going to be looking at a parable or a story of Jesus uh, that paints a picture of what really we've been looking at over these last several weeks, uh, various pictures of this series entitled Jesus Is, uh, recognizing that throughout uh, really the history of the church, this season uh, leading up to Easter has been a season historically in the church where people give, you could say, you could say extra special attention to their relationship with the Lord and what that looks like. And so we've been looking at the various attributes of who Jesus is uh, and then practically how that relates, obviously, to us uh, who are followers of him or maybe those of us who are here checking out whether or not we might uh, become followers of here. And so in all of that, um, today we get to this understanding that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And that's not a word we use a lot. Uh, you, know, you might think like landlord, which probably isn't the greatest picture of like who Jesus is. Uh, but Lord is, you might just say he's our, our, our leader. Um, he's the one who's in charge. And it's interesting, uh, this, this theme, it, it, it permeates the entire scriptures. In fact, um, part of uh, what I'll do sometimes as part of my, you could say my quiet time uh, where I'm reading God's word and praying each morning is I'll just catch uh, on YouVersion Bible app. Some of you have that Bible app. You can download that from our website, firstdecator.org if you want it. Uh, but it's, it's a great application where you can get the Bible and reading plans and all kinds of things. Uh, but uh, even if you don't feel like you have a lot of time or you really haven't stepped into scripture, it's like, you know, this is a very thick book. I don't know where to begin. Uh, each day pops up what's called the verse of the day, uh, which would take you a grand total of about three and a half seconds to read and really invite God's word into your day, uh, all the seconds and minutes and hours of your day. And so today's uh, was this, and it uh, speaks perfectly to the lordship of, of the Lord over everything. It's Psalm 24, 1. It says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Basically, God's, it's all God's and he's in charge of it all. He's sovereign over it all. And, and that's good news. And as we look at Jesus as it relates to God, it says in Colossians chapter 1 that the fullness of God, it says, is pleased to dwell in in Jesus. And so Jesus is God and Jesus is the Lord of all. And it says in him, he created all things. And in all things in him, these things all hold together. And so it just speaks to the lordship of everything and just the confidence that we can have then in our, in our specific worlds under the, you know, the big world uh, that Jesus wants to be the Lord, has what's best for you and for me in the living of our lives. And so that's what we want to look at. And we actually have had the opportunity over the last couple of days to look at that with literally hundreds of churches uh, around our country. On Friday, we hosted the Disciple Heritage Fellowship National Conference. It's a fellowship of about 80 churches that uh, our church uh, kind of helped leads uh, into what, how God might be helping them steward where he wants to be Lord in their church and in their communities, uh, as well as yesterday, the Intentional Church Conference, uh, where we had another 400 people join. So we had over five, more than 500 people in this room, which I promise you is not not comfortable um, to hear how God wants to be the Lord of their lives and their churches. And so one of the things we looked at uh, was actually uh, this parable. Uh, we talked about this on Friday uh, on that conference. And as I was looking at that and thinking about our time today, recognize that 
As much as this is true uh, for churches all around the country, it's certainly true of our church right here. And so I, my hope and my prayer is that it's an encouragement and a spurring on for you as to um, how the Lord wants to be the Lord in your life in some specific areas, okay? And so we're gonna read, the par- it's called the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold. There's basically, it's talking about resources uh, that this master has given to you know, his servants. Um, and uh, really the whole point of the parable as we dive into it is you know, God has given us resources. He's given us stuff and abilities and all kinds of things in between to use or to not use for his purposes. Okay, and so we're gonna see some examples of some who who did that well, who surrendered the resources and opportunities and abilities of their life to the Lord Jesus and an example of one who did not uh, and find where we are at in that story, okay? And so with that, I invite you to follow along with me, Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. It's, got, it's a little lengthy, so don't let the ADD kick in. Hang with me. It's, uh, it's, it's from Jesus. I promise it's good, okay? It's a good story. Jesus says it this way. He says, again, and, and really again, he's been talking about the kingdom of God, what it means for, uh, for, for you know, Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. He says again, he says it's gonna be like this. It's like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. It says, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, or five talents, two talents, one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money at work and gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But then the man who had received one bag... Well, he went off and he, it says he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold uh, brought the other five and master, let's see, I think I got myself mixed up. Here we go, verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. But then the man who had received one bag, one bag of gold came and said, master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And so I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that I would have returned, so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. So take that bag of gold from him and give it to the man who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance and whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth okay the word of the lord 
All right. So as we look at that parable, that's going to be uh, a resource for us to kind of bounce back and forth to, um, to uh, with, along with an illustration that we used at, at the conference that I think will serve us well here today. In that uh, on the Friday portion of the conference, we uh, had us, our main sessions in the East Auditorium, where some of you are at today. And as an illustration, um, I convinced um, Fred, our technical director, and Dan, our Stephanie, our building guy, uh, to allow me to pull my vehicle into the East Auditorium. Um, and so I did my teaching from my vehicle, which is this uh, 1997 Toyota 4Runner. Uh, and, and the story on this particular vehicle is it's, it didn't start off as mine uh, in 1997. In fact, it started in 1996, as you all know, with like the vehicle actually comes out the year before the, 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 the name of the year. So in 96, actually, uh, my father-in-law purchased this vehicle. Uh, was, he wasn't my father-in-law at the time because uh, his daughter, Jessica, who is now my wife, was in seventh grade, and that would not be appropriate. And so they got this vehicle when she was in seventh grade. And about three or four years ago, uh, we inherited the vehicle from him. And now what's kind of cool is it's gone from one generation to the next as my daughter is now in seventh grade. And so it's lasted now what is 23 years. And I found out apparently that if a vehicle goes 25 years, uh, you can get like, it's under like the classic status. And so I'm really looking forward to putting on a classic license plate on a 1997 Forerunner. I think that'd be hilarious. Um, and so I've got a classic almost. And what I'm hoping for is if we can just hang on for a few more years to that 25-year mark, well, then our daughter, who will then be 16, will then be able to drive that as what would be the third generation of driving that vehicle. And so as you can see, for 1996, 97, that's a pretty decent looking forerunner. Uh, and, and it runs great inside and out. It has actually, as of Friday, and I assume I'm still right around there, 307,000 miles on it. And as much as I'd love to take the credit for that, uh, I do have to give the credit for that care both inside and out to my father-in-law. And I'm just doing my best to keep it going. Uh, he's kind of the car guy. And so uh, what I want to share with you is how is it that we can keep um, kind of illustratively our own journey, our own, as it says in Hebrews, the race, the journey marked out for us in following Jesus as the Lord of our lives. How can we keep that going for, you could say, 300,000 miles and beyond? How do we finish the race marked out for us? That we don't just make Jesus the Lord of our lives for a season or for a chapter, but for the whole duration of our lives. And then not just in our own life, but for then the generations to follow. God's word says a lot about the kind of life uh, that we can lead in order to have Jesus be the Lord of our lives and the generations uh, to follow, to be able to go 300,000 miles and beyond. And as we know, just like with a vehicle, that takes, it's going to take some care and some maintenance and some things like that uh, in order to get there. It's going to be the same for our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do uh, to kind of use the vehicle as an illustration is I want to give you what I'm going to call are the three speeds of lordship. Okay, if Jesus is Lord, I want to give you the three speeds uh, of Jesus is Lord in your life that as you kind of discern how these apply to you, uh, where it is that God wants to, you could say, take the talents, the resources, the abilities he's given you as the Lord of his life and put those into play. Okay, so if you're a note taker, I'd encourage you, uh, see, I thought I had a program bulletin here, yeah. On the back of your bulletin that you received on your way into worship, you might want to write these three speeds down and jot some notes because I think it'll serve you as a resource to discern what God might want to do uh, in and through you uh, coming out of this conversation together, okay? 
And so the first speed that you, you'll want to write down, uh, that we want to go in the Lordship of Jesus, is the speed of zero miles per hour. Zero miles per hour. Uh, and that might sound counterintuitive, almost backwards a little bit, but it really is the first step in understanding what it means for Jesus to be the Lord rather than us being the Lord or the driver of our lives. Zero miles per hour, a verse that we might attach to that is a favorite verse of many of you because I know it's framed in your homes and on coffee mugs, and it's Psalm 46.1, which simply says this, be still and know that I am God. Be still, go zero miles per hour, and recognize that God is God. That context is in a situation where Israel and a bunch of countries are all battling and there's a lot of frenzy and, and, and God's just saying, stop. Be still, stop the freneticness and recognize that I am the Lord, that the earth is mine and everything in it you included. And so the way this plays out, as we know with our vehicles, um, you know, there's a lot that can happen for our vehicles at zero miles per hour that we probably shouldn't do while traveling. You know, rotating the tires, Probably not something you want to do while moving, right? This is a perfect thing that you can do to take care of your vehicle while it's going zero miles per hour. You can change the oil. Uh, or maybe the best application of that illustration for us is this idea that it's where you fuel up. That at zero miles per hour is where we can gas up the vehicle for the road ahead. And so the way this plays out in our life in the Lordship of Jesus is making sure that we're being intentional in your life, in my life, to go zero miles per hour, to sit and actually be in the relationship with the Lord that we supposedly signed on in for the first place. And not rocket science here, something we talk about a lot. A simple way to do that is to simply have a relationship with the Lord through the communication means he's given us, through his word and through prayer. That's it. A little bit of time each day, maybe a verse of the day out of a Bible app or a reading plan and some prayer and some communication with God. It, it wasn't, I'm not going to go into it because it's not meant to be complicated. It's meant to be a relationship with the Lord. In the same way that, you know, I talk about my wife, Jessica. I say I have a relationship with her. And if I describe that relationship to you as, well, yeah, she's pretty awesome. She like, you know, sends me these nice notes. You know, she's texted me with awesome emojis, how much she loves me and how, you know, how great our relationship is. And, you know, she'll leave me voicemails. However... I don't ever listen to the voicemails. I don't read her texts. I don't read her letters. Uh, when I come home, I mean, we don't, I don't talk. We don't talk to her. But, you know, we have a great relationship. You say, no, you, you have a problem, uh, is what you would say. Uh, and so you get the point, right? If we have a relationship with the Lord, then what are you doing at zero miles per hour to recognize your relationship with the Lord, the leader of your life. And so I'd encourage you to step into that. Um, we have also, by the way, these audio devotions we've been doing. I'm an audio learner, so I really enjoyed those um, with our kind of leading up to Easter that the worship team has put out that have been awesome. Uh, if you want to get those and you're not, you can just text 24587 to, no, take two. Text first to cater to 24587 and you can get those. Um, and then just as another resource, um, I, the, the, the inspiration for that came from an application that some of us use, these audio devotions called Abide. This is the name, so you can search that, Abide. There's, I think there's a little cost associated with it, but if you're an audio learner and you wanna do your devotions that way, it could be a great resource for you, okay? So that's a great way to be at zero miles per hour, but I cannot go any further than that without saying first, recognizing that maybe for you, you've never even stepped into 
an agreement for zero miles per hour. Maybe you've never stepped over the line to say, okay, Jesus, I want to not only figure out what it means for you to be the Lord in specific areas of my life, but I wanna surrender my life for you to be the Lord and the leader and the one who is in charge rather than me. And so um, if that's something that you want to explore, uh, then we would be honored to have that conversation before you walk out of this place uh, or the East Auditorium or Lovington or online today. And um, just to kind of give you a picture of what that looks like, um, each Easter, uh, well, each Easter, it'll be our second time doing this at Easter, uh, we celebrate baptisms. And what baptism is, is uh, it says in Romans 6, it is where we participate in Easter. It is where we participate in Easter weekend. It's, it doesn't say it that way. It actually says it's where we participate in just uh, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, that just as Christ uh, was died and buried, uh, that we too were saying we're going to bury our old way of life. We're going to bury us being in charge. And just as Jesus on Sunday morning, Easter rises to new life that we celebrate, uh, giving us the gift of being able to rise out of that water into a new life. That baptism represents the new life in Jesus Christ. And I want you to take just a quick look uh, at last Easter's uh, baptisms, maybe to plant some seeds in your own possibilities for this Easter. Take a look at the screens. We joked about this a few weeks ago saying, you know, we watch that um, as if we don't know what's going to happen. You know, how is it that two minutes of the exact same thing over and over and over again still holds our attention? Uh, well, it's because 
it never gets old celebrating the new life that people have in Jesus Christ. That never gets old. And so Easter's just two weeks away. And so uh, if that's something you're interested in, go to Connection Point before you go today or catch us up front here during prayer time. And uh, we have some, some sessions, some gatherings next weekend, to Palm Sunday, if you will, to, to talk about what that looks like. And then Easter, uh, we'd be excited to put you uh, in that tank to uh, celebrate the life in Christ that he's maybe been doing for some time, but maybe you haven't followed him uh, in, in baptism and you want to understand how that fits, okay? So, zero miles per hour. We start not with what we have done or what we will do, but what has already been done for us in Jesus Christ, and we celebrate that by having a relationship with him, maybe for the first time or in an ongoing way. But from there, we, don't, we recognize that we don't just stay stuck at zero. Like, we weren't meant to just be at zero all the time. In fact, it was interesting. My vehicle was having some, some funny things going on, some you know, things were misfiring or whatever. And uh, I brought in the mechanic and I was telling him how it kind of shakes and shudders when I first start it. Um, and I have to let it warm up that forerunner for about two or three minutes. And once I've done that, you know, it's, it's perfect. Uh, but um, what, the interesting thing he said after, after that was he said, now that's, that's good. You want to let your car warm up for a couple of minutes. But he said, but what you don't want to do and I'd never heard this before, this might be news to you, that with, with unleaded fueled vehicles, it's not the same for diesel, you can let those run forever apparently, idle, but with unleaded fuel vehicles, he said, you don't wanna let that thing run idle for more than about 10 minutes. And then he said this, he said, these exact words, he said, those vehicles were not designed to sit and run idle. They weren't designed to sit and to run idle. And I think that's a profound point for us is that as we even, you know, maybe get pretty excited about our Bible studies. At the, I mean, that can be me. I mean, I love sitting in the corner and doing my own thing and kind of like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, me and Jesus and all that to recognize that it's not meant to terminate here, that there is a road ahead that God has for us in what he's doing in our relationship with him, not just for us, but for the sake of his kingdom here on the planet. And so with that, uh, the next speed that we wanna look at, um, we'll call it, you can write this down, is three miles per hour. Three miles per hour, okay? Now, does anyone know, top of mind, what it is that we do in our life naturally at the speed of three miles per hour? We walk. Y'all are so smart. I did not hear, I never heard that. I thought that was, okay. Yes, that's correct. It takes, yeah, we walk at the speed of about three miles per hour. It's the speed of walking, or we could say it is the speed of walking alongside. And for our purposes here today, we'll call it the speed of relationships. Three miles per hour is the speed of relationships. It would have been the speed that Jesus would have walked alongside the two disciples after he resurrected, but they didn't know that he had come back to life. And so they're all down and bummed out. And through the course of that relationship and that walk and that road to Emmaus, their eyes are opened in their relationship to Jesus, to who is right there with them. It's the speed of relationships. It was interesting, actually, right before church yesterday, we had a guy walk in who was pretty upfront about the fact that he was done with church and he's been done with church for a really long time. And he had some very pointed questions for me about how it is we do relationships here in our church. In fact, he said, he said this was his question. And after hearing his story, I kind of knew where, I, I think I could discern where I, what he was saying. But basically he was saying, you know, what do I have to do in order to kind of be in community with you all? And what I was reading between the lines was, based on some experiences that he had had, you know, what this is my language for what he was asking about. What hurdles and roadblocks and barriers am I gonna have to jump over in order to get to be a part of your community here at this church? Um, to which I 
think thanks be to the Holy Spirit for some discernment as I thought about, okay, what is the church? Uh, well, it was pretty easy based on some language we use here all the time and that we understand that the church is Jesus designed for relationships with one another that are designed to encourage our relationship with God. Simply put, that he gave us the church to have relationships with one another that we might have relationship, a strong relationship with the Lord. And so that's why we say all the time, we are here to become devoted followers of Jesus Christ by our growing and serving together. And that together is such an important piece of that. It's not just growing in the corner by ourselves. It's not just, hey, this is a big place to run. Everyone, you know, fill your role. You're a cog in this wheel. You go serve and do your thing. No, no, no. We are doing this together. That the together part is what's most important. And so as I thought about that, I basically said, nothing. Like, you, you, can, you can be a part of relationship. You can be a part of a grow together the opportunity. We started talking about the young adult Bible study that he could be a part of. Uh, he talked about some areas he was interested in serving in or used to serve. I was like, yeah, you can jump in. You can serve right away. There is no barrier between starting a relationship with one another that we are going to put in your way to be able to build your relationship wherever you're at on that continuum with the Lord. Because that's the church that Jesus designed. He designed us for three miles per hour together. And so, um, as you think about the relationships in your life, I mean, we, we could talk a lot about you know, relationships and all the different facets, but when it comes to maybe being intentional in this way, that we would have relationships with others that encourage our relationship with the Lord, I wanna give you uh, kind of three models real fast of what that might look like uh, for you and some next steps in your drive down the road and in your, in your journey marked out for you. Um, it's, it's been said this way, that in our lives, uh, borrowing from some New Testament characters in the book of Acts, that we all wanna have, uh, you could say, a Barnabas, a Paul, and a Timothy. Okay, a Barnabas, a Paul, and a Timothy. And in scripture, Barnabas, he was, in the book of Acts, he was kind of like this wise old sage. His name literally means encourager. Okay, so he's kind of like the grandfather figure in this whole deal. This, you could say the mentor, uh, the one that we look up to. And so where in your life do you have a Barnabas? Someone that is maybe a few laps ahead of you on this race that God has marked out for you that you admire, that is following Jesus and you want to learn from? With that, who is, you could say, a Paul? And so Paul's kind of the, the, the peer in this. You know, who's another Paul? Who is an iron sharpens iron kind of person in your life? And so maybe in your small group, you, maybe you're not best buddies with all 12 people, but maybe within that small group, uh, there's maybe one person that you resonate with that you can do some of that kind of life with. Um, very cool to see in our women's mentoring ministry that we have uh, women being mentored by other women. Uh, it's a new ministry, but just great to hear how many women are a part of that and how well that is going, kind of the Barnabas, Paul type thing. Uh, and then from there, so Barnabas, a Paul, and then and if you wanna find out more about that, you can go to Connection Point and, and learn how you might get some of that in your life, if we can help you with that. And then from there, we have uh, Timothy. And Timothy, is he's a young man in the Bible who's still figuring out all that God's called him to do. And so uh, Paul is mentoring Timothy. And the, really the understanding is maybe uh, there's someone in your life who's maybe a few laps behind you uh, in their journey. Maybe they don't even know Jesus yet, uh, but you have that opportunity to bring them in what you might say pre-Jesus uh, discipleship and understanding who Jesus is that God is calling you to invest. And it could be just even your own household if you have children or whatever the case may be. And so... Out of those three areas, uh, as you write those down, maybe as you prayerfully discern this, there might be, not to overwhelm you, maybe there's one right now. It's like, you know what? I really need to have a, in my life, 
a Barnabas, a Paul, a Timothy. Um, and so you might look into that. And so that's the three miles per hour. Um, and then last speed for us here today uh, is, we could say, 79 miles per hour. I know, we, we, we got real far real fast, right? Uh, so 79 miles per hour. Um, now this one's debatable. It's, it's kind of arbitrary, the reason I chose that number. But here's what I based it on. Um, I was on a, a youth trip. I was taking a, a group of high school boys to a leadership deal down at uh, Milligan College where um, I, I graduated from. And as we're going down there and I'm driving down the road, I have one of the students telling me, you know, Brian, it's, you know, and it was the speed limit being 70. He's like, it's okay to go 79. And I'm listening to him like, yeah, what's your understanding of that? And he says, don't you know the motto of state troopers? Apparently I did not. He says, it's, it's simply this. It's, I've never heard this before. It's nine, you're fine, but 10, you're mine. <laughs> I've now heard that. Nine, you're fine, but 10, you're mine. I actually ran that by one of our state troopers uh, in Life of the Church. And he said, yeah, which means that's probably true, but he's not going to tell me uh, that it's true. <laughs> and so that's why I say, so 79, what is, to illustrative purposes, what is the fastest, most get after it speed that you can put the throttle down, the pedal to the metal, and still be legal and safe at the same time? In, in other words, what is that, you could say that God-given goal or or opportunity that he wants you, kind of going back to our parable, to use the talents, the ability and the talent, it's meant to be a sum of money, but whatever resources he's given you for the glory of God, for the furthering of his kingdom uh, here on the planet. Uh, where is God possibly calling you to do that? Uh, to illustrate what that might look like, uh, I'm gonna steal from Pastor Wayne's sermon here. Uh, a few, uh, about a year ago, he was preaching on something similar. And he was preaching from 2 Samuel chapter 23. And it's this obscure verse in the middle of Samuel that we're in the setting where King David uh, has what's called his mighty men. It's his warriors. And you're getting this kind of like, um, you could say a, a resume almost of some of his, of his best guys. And so here's the resume of a guy named uh, Benaiah, Okay. 2 Samuel 23 says, uh, Benaiah, son of Jehodiah, a valiant fighter of Kabzeel, performed great exploits. And then here comes the resume. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. Okay. Uh, he struck down a huge Egyptian, although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. Benaniah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. I did that before breakfast. Whatever. No. <laughs> And then he says, he also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. Okay, that one's on the bucket list still, all right? He, I, what, that's, and here's what Pastor Rain was painting in the story. He, if, you were, if you were for that sermon, if not, I'll just steal what he said. Uh, but he's just painting the picture of like, okay, you've got this lion in your midst. Any one of us would be satisfied to have like, you know, gotten the line out of our midst. Like, that's a win, right? Okay, the line was here, the line is gone, game over, let's move on. But no, this guy, he doesn't just get the line out of their midst, he chases the lion. He goes after the lion. He gets the lion to run down into a pit, as if that, you would think, maybe that's good enough, but no. The guy in poor weather, a snowy day apparently, chooses to go down into the pit and kills a lion on the snowy day. And the point that Pastor Wayne was making was, man, what kind of adventure what kind of story that must have been and challenged us to say, okay, what kind of adventure is God calling you into in your 
race. You know, what kind of 79 mile an hour goal is God pushing on you with this idea that we all have this? You know, and it was interesting over the past weekend, we get people from other churches and they ask, you know, what, they they ask this question basically, you know, what do you attribute to what's going on here at First Christian? What do you attribute that to? And I kind of have my, my, quick answer, which I, I, I believe in fully. And I always say this. I said, the, what's going on here, I attribute it to the Holy Spirit, prayer, and Pastor Wayne's wild hair. That's what I call it. Holy Spirit and prayer, those are very real, very much a value of our church, but with that, Pastor Wayne's wild hair. Pastor Wayne's, you could say 79 mile, chase line into a pit kind of thing. Let me just share a few of those I shared with uh, some of the folks that visit us. First of all, Many of you have been around know that we have uh, a pretty strong relationship with the elementary school across the street, Parsons, where we more or less get to serve almost as chaplains to be in their school. We have an after-school program in our school to the point where both, uh, not just other churches, but the school district and other schools are literally knocking on our door saying, hey, could you do that with other schools in our district? I want you to hear what I just said. The school is asking the church to come and please do what you're doing there here. Okay, um, the back to school clinic jumpstart that many of you helped make possible. Uh, we had uh, a rate of over 500 students who were not able to start school because they didn't have all their physical stuff. Um, you all helped create a one-stop shop where uh, now more than half of those students uh, were able to go back. We cut that, that rate in half. Uh, chaplaincy. We have a chaplaincy ministry where all of Decatur Memorial Hospital's chaplaincy has more or less been farmed out to First Christian Church with that. Crossing Healthcare has taken notice of that. And so now we have chaplaincy there. And now there are right now three different organizations outside of those two that are not kind of banging on the door saying, hey, would you do chaplaincy with us? The marketplace is saying to the church, please come do your church thing with us. Like, where does that happen? When does that happen? Go on, on. I mean, you, okay, you have opportunities, just every one of you, to be chasing lines into pits every six months by going to Cuba or to Kenya uh, to go on short-term mission trips on, on those kind of adventures that you can, every one of you could be a part of, every one of us, some of you have. Now you think about, we have 40 churches across denominations over the last four years that have worked together on some type of sermon series and outreach to our community with billboards and yard signs, and it's just like, what, 40 churches? Different denominations working together. I mean, it doesn't even matter what we're talking about. I was joking. I was like, we could be talking about how we all love cheese whiz. But just the fact that all the churches are working together on the same thing is just, it's just, it's, it's something. And so the question is, what is that 79 mile an hour, wild hair, chase a line into a pit thing that God's calling you to? And you might think, okay, well, that's, that's, that's Wayne or that's the church. But no, it's you. Because I think about the ministries that we start around this church that have been led from people in the pews, every member ministry in the seat. Uh, we have um, this marriage enrichment ministry. Uh, that was started not by the staff. It was started by a couple in Life Church who felt passionately about it and got it started. And together, and Pastor Tim has put together, we have a big marriage night coming up on May 17th. We're going to have a big event for our community and for you all there. Uh, Mops, Mothers of Preschoolers, this ministry was brought out by, not the staff, but by, you could say, just everyday folks in the pews. Uh, small group ministry even was started by people in the pews and we listened. And so it's not a, hey, we as a church staff can do it all and you can come help us. It's what is God calling you to do and how can we help you? God has called us all to put forth our talents, our 79 mile an hour opportunities that he's placed before him for the furthering of his kingdom. And so 
I say all that with this understanding coming back to the parable in mind. Uh, and this is what we kind of shared with the, the other churches is that what's easy for us to do right now is to hear, man, those are some great stories. I'm really glad we do that. Uh, what's for lunch? Uh, you know, it's really easy for us to say, oh, isn't it awesome what so-and-so or what the church or whatever has done with their five talents? Isn't that cool how they multiplied it by 10 and all of this? And the temptation is, is to hear these kinds of stories, these lions chased in the pits, these 79 mile an hour things and say, well, that's good for them. But then use it as an excuse to then go bury the talents that God has given us. To say, oh, well, yeah, if I had five talents, if I had that kind of time on my hands, if I knew the Bible that well, or that kind of personality, or whatever the case may be, well, then, yeah, well, then I could go, you know, multiply my five talents if I had five talents, but I only have my whatever talents. And we use it as an excuse to bury our talents. I want to show you one last thing in this passage real quick, and that one of the things I, I kind of tripped up against here a couple of months ago looking at this uh, was who I believe the hero in this parable is. Because every time I've read it, I've always thought, okay, the guy with five talents, he's clearly the hero, right? I mean, he's got five, he doubles it and makes 10, and then the loser who buries his, God gives it to the guy with 10, and so now he's got 11. So the guy with five, 10, 11, obviously that guy is the model. He's the, he's the winner, he's the standard, he's the hero in this story. But I would argue, I would argue that the hero of this story, of this parable, in my eyes, and I think maybe yours as you look at it too, is actually the guy with two talents. The guy with two talents, because what we see in the guy with two talents is he doesn't make the excuse of, well, I don't have five talents, and goes and buries the two he has, like the guy who had the one. No, he is faithful. He is faithful with, with God has given him to put forward for what God has called him to do. And what I love about this is just look at the difference in the two guys. Look what the guy with five versus the guy with two has. Looking again at verse 21. This is the guy with five talents. It says, his master replied to the guy who took five and made 10, well done, good and faithful servant. But then look what Jesus, or the master, however you wanna look at it, said to the guy with the two who had made four. Verse 23, his master replied to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Word for word, the exact same affirmation of the master. And so it's a reminder, it's an encouragement, it's, it's the freedom and the opportunity to recognize that regardless of where you think, we're all two talent people. There's always gonna be somebody who has five, but we can't let that be the excuse to bury what God has given us. We all have two and we need to discover what 79 mile an hour lion does God want us to use that for the purpose of his kingdom and not bury it. And so with that, my encouragement to you, uh, we don't have time now because I talked too long, uh, is to take some time on your own to look at that zero, that three, that 79, and discern, okay, God, where is it that you want me to make you the Lord of an area where I have not? Uh, that we are gonna do something different as a result of our time here today, to not just be hearers of the word, but doers. And with that last verse, I'm, I promise, keep telling you I'm gonna be done and I'm not. Okay, verse 16. Look again at what it says. It says that the man who had received uh, five bags, it says this, that he went, and there's two words there, that if you're a Bible word circler, you wanna put a big circle around it, at once. 
It says he went at once. He didn't delay, he got after it. And this is what's been messing with me lately with some things that I feel like God's put on me. And that's this understanding that delayed obedience is just another form of disobedience. Delayed obedience is just another form of disobedience. And anyone who has kids that you've told them to clean their room knows that's true, right? Delayed obedience, I told you, delayed obedience is just another form of disobedience. And so may you go without delay at once for whatever the Lord God Almighty has for you in your life and whatever those speeds and we'll trust the Holy Spirit to discern that out. And so with that, let me pray for us in that and uh, we'll go from there. Heavenly Father, we trust you as Lord of all, that you have a race, uh, a path marked out for us and we wanna go the distance. We wanna go 300,000 miles and beyond. And we recognize that you have what's best for that and that to each of us, you've given us uh, the gift of these, these talents, of a relationship with you, of relationships with one another and, and these God-given dreams and opportunities and abilities to further your kingdom wherever we're at, to use our two talents, uh, to use them at work, to use them at home, to use them um, in our neighborhood, wherever it is, that you have us there for a reason, that you don't want us to be anyone other than who we were created to be in that place. And so God, forgive us for envying those with five talents. We know you did not create us to be someone else. You created us to be us. And so may we be who you created us to be and where you've planted us uh, to be planted, uh, wherever that is. And may we go at once in obedience and an opportunity to follow you as the Lord and the leader of our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, with that, in all uh, locations, I'd invite you to stand with me. Um, that as uh, we do some zero mile per hour time around here, giving glory to stopping and giving glory to who God is before we head out of this place or wherever you're at. Um, I don't want to miss the opportunity that if you have not signed on to let, I can't believe I'm going to say this, Jesus take the wheel. I can't believe I said that out loud. Uh, but if you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you haven't let him get behind driving you wherever it is that your life is going, then today can be that opportunity. Let's start that conversation, uh, whether online or in any of these rooms. There'll be some people who would be honored to pray with you and talk with you about what that looks like and if, if you can get baptized and all of that. Uh, but then even beyond that, if any of those other speeds, you know, are grabbing your attention and you want to, you know, three mile per hour with somebody else, come alongside somebody and have them pray with you and explore, okay, what God might be calling you to use your talents for. Um, we'd be honored to pray with you about that or any other thing uh, in your life as we support all those prayers uh, with giving credit where credit is due in worship together. And so let's sing together, give credit where credit is due. And if we can pray with you about any of those things, we'd be honored to do that.